Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Monday, September 26th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Extreme weather shifts have put local urban farmers on alert. Now this summer there was that big heat wave we had, and what we had to do was change the way we farm. In just a few minutes, we'll hear more from a Spanish lake farmer describing how climate change is creating new challenges for growing culturally important crops. Missouri is now allowing clinics to determine eligibility for the monkeypox vaccine. People had been required to submit eligibility forms online before they could receive the shot. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports the Department of Health and Senior Services hopes this change will help more people get the vaccine. There's not a lot of monkeypox vaccine to go around, so the federal government limits who can get it. People who haven't been exposed but who still want the vaccine can apply to get it by filling out an online form. The survey asks questions about people's sexual identity and whether they've engaged in group or commercial sex. The state has now changed the eligibility after hearing concerns that the form discouraged people from getting the vaccine. Missouri now allows clinics to confirm patients are eligible for the vaccine without requiring them to sign personalized forms. Health workers and LGBTQ advocates say the change will streamline the process and let them vaccinate more people. Local health departments and clinics have begun vaccinating people at events, including Tower Grove Pride, over the weekend. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. A Democratic lawmaker from St. Louis does not support a plan to cut income taxes. Missouri lawmakers appear poised to cut the state's income tax when they return for a special session this week. Republicans contend a tax cut makes sense since the state has a record budget surplus. But State Representative Lakeisha Bosley of St. Louis would rather see a tax cut on food or diapers, which she says would help working Missourians. And I think that would be a better way for us to show our appreciation to Missourians and give them some type of relief. Bosley was a guest on Politically Speaking. That episode is at stlpr.org. A controversial mining company is looking to expand its operation underneath the Mark Twain National Forest. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports the public can comment on the petition, but must limit those comments to the proposed expansion. The Doe Run Company currently operates 3,800 acres of lead mines in Reynolds and Shannon counties and is looking to expand its lease to add another 1,500 acres. The Bureau of Land Management is taking public comment until October 24th only on the expansion. Stephanie Carmen is with the Bureau's Northeastern States District. So this analysis is about um, adding these additional acres to the current leases. Because of that, we're not looking at the leasing as a whole. That was done previously and will be done again under our regular 10-year review period. Doe Run has been under fire from environmentalists for decades and has also been involved in tax disputes with local school districts in recent years. In Rala, I'm Jonathan All. St. Louis Public Radio. The small airport at Fort Leonard Wood will have passenger flights to two destinations for the first time in decades. Contour Airlines will serve the Waynesville-St. Robert Regional Airport with flights to Dallas and Nashville starting in mid-October. It's the fourth carrier change at the airport in five years. But St. Robert Mayor and Airport Board Chairman George Lauritsen says it's a sign of progress. It has been a step up each time the community has felt that We're continuing to evolve and get bigger and and go different places. Contour had served the airport with flights to St. Louis, but left in 2021. 
SkyWest Airlines served the community in the past year with flights to Chicago. The agency overseeing Metro Transit is taking steps to address a worker shortage. The Bi-State Development Board has approved a $2.6 million plan to attract and retain employees. The money will go into employee benefits, learning and development, work culture, and recruitment. Bi-State says it hired nearly 370 people during the first three quarters of its fiscal year, but lost almost 470. Extreme weather has changed the way farmers work. That includes Mitchell Pearson, who runs an urban farm in Spanish Lake. Pearson speaks to NPR Next Generation Radio's Brittany Cordera about how he's adapting to continue supporting his community in growing culturally important crops like okra, tomatoes, and mustard greens. You know, the crickets, they make the noises when the weather changes, they get real loud. But I'm watching the birds as far as patterns, what I don't see. Like I might see cardinals a certain time of the year or different species of birds. That'll let me know that, oh, something's not right. I grew up on a farm all my life, literally. My family has been farming in one form or another since my great-grandfather, okay? Yes, my name is Mitchell Pearson, and I'm the founder of Five Global Farms. Phi Global LLC. I'm a retired educator, an artist, and a farmer. Uh, We've been here for about five years now. Climate change has impacted me by the way I approach farming in general. You know, the the extremes. Like in this past spring, there was a big cold snap, right? And that set us back a while. And then now this summer, there was that big heat, heat wave we had. And what we had to do was change the way we farm. So normally if I would get up at like 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock, it's 100 degrees. So we got to either farm earlier in the morning or later in the evening. And then that, you know, if I have people that's working for me, that changes their schedule as well. So it just changes everything. And also the water demand, the stress on the plants, all those things combined affects farming. If I plant like tomato plants, those are real sensitive to, to cold. I lose them. So I have to start all over with that. So we lost a few this spring. We didn't lose a lot. And it kind of set us back a month behind, it seems like. And even with like our tomatoes, they just now started really ramping up as far as turning red. We've all agreed in our circle of farmers that something is going on with these tomatoes. We don't know, but we, we suspect that it has something to do with climate change. You know, and all the food that, that needs to ripen at a certain time, if climate change is going to affect the, the temperature or whatever, that means it's going to throw off the timing of our food becoming, you know, ripe. I hope that the fall gives us enough room to really complete our harvest. Because normally around the first part of October, that's the last of the really good weather. After about the 10th or so, things start changing, and I hope that stays the same. I hope we don't get a, a early hard freeze, you know. One challenge that, that we're working on is to extend the season and try to protect the plants a little better by having hoop houses. They're like, they're not quite a greenhouse, but they're very similar to, to one. And if we can, you know, mitigate the fluctuations and the changes in the season, Hopefully that'll help us 
stay on track, stay on, you know, stay on schedule to, uh, to get our food to the marketplace. I taught uh, K through six for about 30 years, you know, and what I discovered, it dawned on me about halfway through, that public education is so vital to a democracy. How do we teach the people coming up after us to respect the, the land and question if we, as adults, respect it? You know, one thing that uh, we talk about a lot is that how there's so many yards. You know, why not take some of those yards and turn those into more food producing situations? Because as an educator, I'm always constantly, constantly looking at ways, how can we build bridges so that the children can get more connected to the land and to the environment? That's Spanish Lake farmer Mitchell Pearson speaking to Brittany Cordera. Brittany was among six young reporters involved in an intensive radio boot camp this month at St. Louis Public Radio as part of NPR's Next Generation Radio Project. Before wrapping up, more history for a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Our thanks to Apple TV Plus and Major League Baseball for that audio of Friday night's historic moment. Albert Pujols is only the fourth player in Major League history to reach the 700 career home run mark. That exclusive club includes Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds. Pujols says he understands the history of the moment, but adds he's more into team achievements as opposed to individual milestones. Don't get me wrong, I know where my place is stand in this game, but I think since day one, when I made my debut, it was never about numbers. It was never about chasing numbers or anything. It was always about winning championship and try to get better in this game. Pujols is retiring after this season. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.